I want to minister to you on a, a, a sobering subject, but yet an awesome subject today. Because of God's Word, it's awesome. I want to talk to you today about eternity. We're all looking for eternity. We're all headed towards eternity. From the time that you were in God's mind, which has been forever and ever and ever, you were in God's mind, and you, you, are, a, you are a human being headed to eternity. Before you ever make a decision for Christ or against Him, you're still headed for eternity. We are eternity-bound creation of God. But I want to talk to you today about eternity. It's your choice, but I want to talk to you about the where and the how of it. It's your choice where you're going to spend eternity because God gives each one of us a free will, which means we have a choice. And you as a person... You have a choice whether you are going to choose or accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. I was raised in a church, and I won't call the name of it because I'm not into bashing them, but they were Calvinistic, which meant you were either predestined or chosen by God to be a saint, or you weren't. And I kind of boil it down in my way of understanding, either you're a saint or you ain't. You're either a saint or you ain't. And they say that God determines where you're going to spend eternity. You don't choose. Well, it was a strange thing that after I accepted Jesus and uh, found him, I started reading the Bible. Of course, that's a good thing for a new believer to do. Amen? Amen. So I started reading the Bible, and I read scriptures like, whoever will call on the name of the Lord may be saved. Huh? Shall, will, can be. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Well, not if you're in that organization, not if you're in that church group, not if you're of that particular theological persuasion. Whoever. Black, white, yellow, pink, polka dot, green. What other colors is there? Light, black, dark, whatever. You know, whatever political party you're of, hallelujah, thank God. We can be saved if we call upon his name. And then you as a believer, a Christian, a follower of the Lord Jesus, then you have a choice whether you're going to live your life for Christ or continue in a wrong lifestyle. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that name the name of Jesus but never depart from iniquity like Paul told Timothy. Those that name the name of Jesus should depart, leave, forsake their sin. Some people accept Jesus and they say, that's fine. I got fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. You'll get it tomorrow, maybe. I got fire insurance. I got enough. No, you don't. Jesus not only wants to be Savior of your life, The Lord's plan for you, if you will let him, he wants to be Lord of your life. And when you really let him be Lord of your life, you enter into the fullness of the joy of knowing him and a relationship with him. That's why we worship like we do. And I'm not casting dispersion on any other church the way they do things. But we don't just do two or three songs and get through it and say, okay, we sang, let's do the next thing. No, when we sing and we work, we enter into loving him. His presence come. The, the presence of the Lord inhabits the praises, lives in the praises of his people. And when he comes, and he's here because you brought him inside of you, and when you release that praise, he manifests his presence. He's omnipresent all the time, everywhere. But when people begin to praise him, his manifest presence comes. That's why we feel his presence, the Holy Spirit. Some of us cry, some of us laugh, some of us don't know what to do. We get so excited about it, we just don't know. Some dance, some want to fall down before him. It's our reaction and our response to his presence because he loves us. So, But you as a believer, you've got a choice whether you're going to just 
just accept him as Savior or you're going to continue in the wrong lifestyle. Paul said in Philippians, just read it this morning, he said, for me to live as Christ, period. And he said, and to die is just gain. He said, not only in this world, I'm living for Christ, and that's great, but he said, to die is just gain. So where you spend eternity is your choice. And how you spend eternity is going to be your choice too. Now, when you get born again, you get saved, you get all of those words, born again, saved, regenerated, come to know the Lord as personal Savior in your life. That is by grace and grace alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it's by grace that we are saved through faith. Not, it is a gift of God, not of yourselves, lest any person should boast. The only way you can be born again, say, it's by God's grace, his revealing Jesus Christ to you, God's love for you, what Jesus did for you on the cross at Calvary. He shed his blood for you. He took every person's individual place on that cross and died for all of our sins. Personally, personally. Whatever your sins were, whatever all the people in the created and will live, or personally, Jesus died for our sins. That's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was a lot. More, that's, the words don't even begin to describe it. So we're saved or we're born again by God's grace, but yet there are many scriptures about us being judged according to our works or deeds, even as a believer and I want to show you scripture of that today. Because some people believe, oh, well, I'm saved, so I'm not going to be judged by anything anymore. Yes, you will. Not judged on your salvation, because that's by grace and the goodness of God that you're saved. But judged by your works or your acts after you do as a believer. Many scriptures on that. How do we reconcile the two of those that were saved by grace? We don't, some people don't believe we'll be judged anymore at all as a Christian. But yet, how do we understand this? There's two words, if you'll understand these two words, it will help you understand and explain it to you. It's called belief and behavior. Your belief determines where you'll spend eternity. Your behavior determines how you will spend eternity. So it's where and how. Your belief determines where you're going to spend eternity. Your behavior determines how you're going to spend eternity. So let's unpack that this morning. The Bible teaches us that there are degrees or levels of punishment in hell. And actually hell is not the final place the lake of fire is, just to throw that in. For unbelievers, because God is a just God and he judges righteously. There are degrees or levels of responsibility for believers when we go to heaven based on what you have done here on earth. Jesus said in Matthew 25 when he talked about the parables and he talked about the talents, the distribution of the talents. He said to, to one was given one, to one was given two, to one was given five. The one that had two and five, they went out and they doubled it. They brought it back and, and Jesus said the master will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over your few things. Now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But the one servant who received the one talent and was afraid and said, well, the master was a hard master. He went and buried it. Didn't even put it in the bank to gain interest, you know, just buried it. And then when the master came and said, well, here it is. Blow the dirt off and just give it back to you. I didn't do anything with it. I didn't use my life for any good. The talents are talking about our life, our works, folks. And just kind of say, well, Lord, here's my life. You know, I don't really have anything to show for my life because I just didn't do anything with my life worth, you know, worth living for you about. Yeah, I believe in you, but I just didn't do anything. And the Lord said, you are a wicked servant. Take what he has and give it to him that has the much. Wow. We think that's stern of the Lord. But God rewards people 
You hear that? A lot of Christians don't believe God rewards. God rewards people that are faithful stewards. When you use what God has given you, when you use the talents, the the power, the energy that God puts into you, your body, your mind, your person, your being, when you use that for God's glory, he is going to reward you for that. When you don't use it for his glory as a child of God, you will lose the reward that you possibly could have had because of that. I know you got quiet on me, but the scripture... In Luke 19, 17, also Jesus tells about the parables. So there are levels in heaven for the Christian, the believer, depending on how you live this life and the responsibilities that you will receive in heaven based on your stewardship of the talents in your life that you spend on earth. Now, the behavior of both the believer and the unbeliever, it matters. Please get this today. The life of the believer and the unbeliever, how you live your life, it matters. It matters on earth. Listen, this is your one-time go-around. Forget the thing about coming back reincarnated. That's a lie. That's not in Scripture. That God, God does not say that. It, the Bible says in, in this life, we, we live in this life once, and after this life, there is judgment. Uh, you got quiet, but it's true. No one will appear in heaven and say they got there by how, they, how good they were. Every one of us, you know, you'll have a crown. You'll have a crown given you for if you're a soul winner, you've won people to the Lord. You'll have a crown for discipleship and stewardship and being faithful and holding on. You're going you're gonna to get a crown. But the Bible says every one of us, we're going to cast our crowns at his feet because we're going to realize we're not worthy, Lord. Just to be here, Lord, is enough. You're the only one worthy to receive all the glory and the praise and the honor. I don't know if he lets us pick up our crowns and put them back on again. I don't know. But our first realization is, Lord, you're the only one that's worthy. I'm not even worthy, Lord. Just thank you, Lord, I'm here. (laughs) There are many scriptures, and we're going to look at them, on our works, both as an unbeliever and as a believer. So if if you have never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, or if you're not really following him like you know you should be, please listen today, because God, the Father, loves you. And wants you to be with him in eternity and wants to reward and bless your life. God is a God of blessing. God is a God that he wants to reward. And all of this goes back to that fruitfulness. God is looking for fruit in our life that will bring glory and honor to him. But he wants to reward us too. Scriptures about uh, our life. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. For God will bring every not some, not most, not part. God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Every. Revelation twenty thirteen, The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, how? Each one according to their works, his or her works. Now, we can say, well, yeah, that's about unbelievers. Yes, pretty general. Here are scriptures about believers, Christians, people that name the name of Jesus, who say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Here are scriptures for those people. 1 Peter 1.17, if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Did you hear that? God who is impartial judges each one's work. He said... Because if you know that, if you believe that, if you're aware of that, here's your response. Your response should be, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here on earth in fear. Not that kind of fear that's afraid or cowering or afraid God's going to club you, beat you. God, that's not God. That's a lie from the devil. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And God still loves you and I, even when we fail, sin, mess up. If you've never called upon his name, if you've never come to an active living relationship with him, he loves you. He is for you and not against you. But, so he's warning us, conduct your lives, live your life throughout your stay here on planet Earth in fear. That means in, in awe, in reverence, in respect to God's ways. Why? Because they're right. And not only are they right, but his ways give life to us. Jesus said, the words I'm speaking to you, they are spirit and they are life. And in Matthew 16, these are Jesus' own words. For the Son of Man, which is what he called himself, will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his or her works. Last, book of the, uh, last chapter of the book of the Bible, Revelation 22:12. 12. Jesus said this, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Now, God's definition of quick and ours is very different. <laughs> very different. Quick, Lord, how come it wasn't yesterday? That's how you want him to answer your prayers, right? Now, Lord, quick. But he said, behold, I'm coming quickly. And listen to this. He says, my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Now, let me ask you a question today. Are you an everyone? Come on. Are you an everyone? Are you an each? Then it matters how you live. Your belief determines where you will spend eternity. Your behavior determines how you will spend eternity. We're not talking about being perfect because there's only one perfect, the Lord Jesus. It's not us. We're not perfect. There are many people who say they believe in Jesus, even in the church. Yet, they never live for him. They got what they feel like fire insurance. Enough religion, they don't, they're not going to go to hell. Enough religion. That's not how God wants you to live. He wants you to know you. And the question is, do you really believe in Jesus? Are you just looking for fire insurance or just a safety net? Or have you really been born again? Because when you really believe in Jesus, what happens is God gives you a new heart and recreates in you a new spirit. And you have a desire to turn from sin and turn more and more to God. It doesn't mean you'll never sin or stumble or fall as a Christian, but it means that when you do, you can't live with that. You've got to come back to God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. Have you blown it a few times? I've blown it so many times. I've lost count a long time ago. After 48 years, I've lost count a long time ago. I'm just glad. I his mercies are new every morning. Have you checked in with him today? If you have a desire to follow God and turn away from sin, it, it, it's, it, it's those that stay that way. If, if you still, listen, let, let me, t- I'm being as honest with you and as transparent with you today because God loves you. If you still have a desire to live in sin and call yourself a Christian, I am encouraging you that you need to check yourself out because something's wrong. If you still desire to live in sin, if it still has its power on you, I realize there's addictions, I realize there's strongholds, I realize there's generational uh, uh, strongholds and things like that. I realize that. But when you call on the name of Jesus, there was power to break that yoke. 
And there's, there's power and there's authority in His name and by His blood to set you free. Listen, your belief determines your behavior. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, if nobody's ever even witnessed to you, if you've never heard a gospel message or song or scripture said to you, if you just called on the name of Jesus, there's power in that name that can set you free. There's people in countries that the gospel can't be preached there. They don't have the radio. They don't have the TV. They can't even get satellite transmission, but yet they call on the name of Jesus. You know, in some of, the, in some of these Muslim countries, they don't have the gospel preached. You'll die if you go there preaching the gospel. God, God is so merciful, so kind. He gives them dreams about Isa, which is the name of Jesus in the Quran. He gives them dreams about Isa. And Isa comes and says, I'm the son of God. And if you would just believe in me, I have life for you and forgiveness and a good life for you. They're being converted by the thousands because they've had a dream about Isa coming to them. God is so good, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But your belief determines your behavior. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, if any person is in Christ, you are a new creature. Old things are supposed to pass away. Behold, all things are become new. You're supposed to live a new, different life that loves God and hates sin. Come on. People say, well, pastor, I believe in tithing. I believe in Bible reading. I believe in prayer. I believe in attending church service. I believe in all that. I just don't do it. I question whether you really believe it. Because if you believe something, you do it. And if you don't do it, you don't really believe the Bible. Because it teaches us you should be doing these things. I want to talk about the two judgments that we find in Scripture. The believer's judgment for the believer, the child of God. And then the unbeliever's judgment. Many people do not understand why there's two judgments if we've already determined through our belief whether we're going to go to heaven as a believer or we're not going to as an unbeliever. Listen, this is real simple. At the believer's judgment, which we'll talk about in just a minute, name it. That's next. At the believer's judgment, everybody's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. At the unbeliever's judgment... Everybody's an unbeliever. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Okay, let's dive into it. Let's look. First judgment we want to talk about is called the judgment seat of Christ. It is the believer's judgment. It's where the works of the believer is examined by the Lord to see if it passes the test. Second Corinthians 5.10 says this. Paul's writing through the Holy Spirit. For He's talking to Christians in the Corinthian letter to the Corinthians. He's talking to us today. Amen. Is he talking to us today? Does the Bible talk to you today? It's for you if you're listening. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all. What's the Greek transliteration? The Greek definition for all? All. For we must all appear. What? Before the judgment seat of Christ. That's for believers, Christians. That each one, there it is again, everyone, each one, may receive the things done in the body according to what he, she has done, whether good or bad. This is not talking about whether you're going to get into heaven or not. That's already been determined because you put your faith in Jesus Christ who shed his blood for you, died for you. You've accepted what Jesus has done for you. That's that grace that gets you into eternal life. So it's not judgment for your sins. It is an examination of what you've done since you've been a believer. We're going to go into that. 
believers are judged according to our works since we become a believer. We will either receive rewards for what we've done since we've been a believer, or we will lose rewards for what we haven't done that we should have done. Romans 14.10, Paul also goes on to say, But why should you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall, there it is again, all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now I'm going to read a little bit lengthy passage, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 10 through 15. Paul said, According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. That's us in our personal life. Paul laid a foundation. It's Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's the foundation. That's the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, and, and the gifts of the ministry and everything like that, of the kingdom. But he said, but each person, each one, that's you and I. You and I are each, right? We're in every. You had not lost that, have you? You're still in every. You're still in each. Each one take heed how he builds upon it. How you build your life as a believer upon that foundation, Jesus Christ, is what matters. Here we go. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one, wow, each one, there's that each one every again. Just keeps on popping up, doesn't it? Each one, every one, their work will become clear revealed, manifest, shown, uncovered, for the day, the day of the Lord, the day, will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. Let me just stop there and say, God destroyed the world one time through flood. He promised, he said, never again will I destroy the earth by a flood. There's a rainbow, that, that's the, the rainbow covenant. That Listen, that portion of people that believe the rainbow is for something else, just like Satan takes and corrupts everything else God has created. That is a sign to the whole planet and all of humanity. I'll never destroy the earth again. When you see the rainbow, it's a, it's a promise from God. I'll never destroy the earth by a flood again. Read it in Genesis. It wasn't created for some sexual uh, branding logo to promote for their cause. Does that... Do you understand what I'm saying? you get it? It's God's promise. He said, I'll never destroy the earth by a flood again. But, he said, it's going to be revealed by fire. I want to tell you what, fire's coming, folks. I want to tell you, fire's coming. <laughs> it's a fire coming, it's fire coming from the Lord. It's going to be a terrible fire. It says that everything on the earth and the heavens are going to be burned up, melted away, melted away. Intense such heat, everything. Listen, that's why everything you own now, everything you wear now, everything you do now, hold it lightly. One day it's not going to be here anymore. This earth is so corrupted that God is going to have to create a new heaven and a new earth. Thank God. It'll be so beautiful. It'll be so beautiful. So it's, it's, everyone's work will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test Test, prove, try each person's work, each one's work. There it is again, each one's, of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he or her has built on it, endures, they will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, they will suffer loss, but they themselves will be saved, yet so as by fire. 
Okay, let's look at that. There's different types of materials, he says in that scripture, that you can build your life with. You can build your life as a Christian with gold, silver, precious stones. That's loving people. That's doing good things in the kingdom of God to help people. That's going to Tanzania. That's going to, to out west, Lucy. That's going to all these countries. That, that's giving and tithing. That's giving and offering to help in the Bahamas or help the missionaries or help this church to reach out in, in ministries. Doing, doing all these things. Those are things that you're, you're sowing with silver, uh, with gold, silver, precious stones. You're building on that foundation, Jesus Christ. You're doing the good works. But the other material is a temporal material. One's the eternal. The other is a temporal material, wood, hay, straw. He said when the fire comes, the fire will test each type of material. The gold, silver, and precious stones, they're going to endure. But the wood, hay, and straw, if you built your life on wood, hay, and straw, he said it's going to be burned up. You yourself may be saved. You will be a Christian. You'll be in heaven. But your works are burned up. That will be a very miserable existence for you to be in heaven and the people that say oh just thank god i'm here i'm wonderful that is good to be in heaven and not to be in eternity without the lord yes but to stand before the lord empty-handed that everything your life every day minute moment of your life every word everything you did doesn't make it into eternity with you because it was all about yourself it'll be burned up it'll be burned up how are you spending your life? How are you spending your money? How are you spending your time, your energy, your effort, your time, your talent, and your treasure? How are you spending it? You will stand before the Lord. We're all going to stand before him one day. The fire is coming. It'll try it to see whether it's gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw. How you live, your behavior determines your reward. Even though you've received Jesus as Savior, you then have a choice whether you're going to be living your life for yourself where everything's burned up and then you have no rewards or you live for Christ and you receive his rewards. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 6. Take heed that you don't do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Uh, get the motive. Jesus is warning. Do your charitable deeds, but don't do it by men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Your reward will be people saw you. Oh, that was nice of you. That's it. That's all you're going to get. Oh, wow. You did that? Wow, cool. Man, that's neat. That's all you're going to get. Therefore, when you do your charitable deed, you don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from them, meaning men. Assuredly, truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who's in secret will himself reward you openly. Now, let's clarify that a little bit. When we fast, we're supposed to and pray and give. We're supposed to do that privately. You have a private prayer life, fasting life, giving life, serving life. Don't be like the hypocrites saying, look what I'm doing over here. Aren't I great? Aren't I a powerful, great Christian? Look what I'm doing. But then we also have a life that's a public corporate life. When we fast corporately, when we pray corporately, when we give corporately, like the Bahamas offering or some missionary, and you walk down here and give your money, you didn't do that so people would see you. I hope you didn't. Because if you did, that's all the reward you got. Oh, they give. Every time we do this, they're up there. 
If you gave because you just want people to see you every time we give that you're up here, that's your reward. That's it, period. The end, no mas, finito. But when we do it corporately, what Jesus was really saying, and Jesus is saying, if your heart is pure in what you're doing, there's times we have corporate fastings and prayings and givings, but when your heart is pure when we're doing it, it's okay. What's really kind of wrong is if when we're in a corporate fast, I come, I come, I come to brother and I say, hey, man, I, I'm not eating this, 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 this. What are you doing? Or, and I'm, I'm doing this, and I'm praying this many hours a day, and I'm praying for these. Man, it's kind of rough, but I'm, I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it for Jesus. That's when it's wrong. But we know each other's fasting. We know each other's praying. And we just say, hey, brother, I'm praying for you too, man. <laughs> Let's hang on and do this for Jesus. So if, it, if, it, if it's your heart is okay and your heart is pure, you're not doing that. People notice you. Let me share with you one thing, one fact out of that scripture, Matthew 6. It says the Father himself, not some other angel, not some lower-ranking angel, not some, not some other being of heaven. The Father himself will know and reward you openly before everyone. Wow. So you're praying, you're fasting, you're giving your, your service to the Lord. If you'll do it with the right motive as unto the Lord, God's going to bless you. Now, see, some Christians, some they shouldn't, but they do, they see God blessing a brother or sister, and they get mad, or they get jealous. Oh, what's God, you said you're no respecter of persons. How come you're blessing, blessing them, you're not blessing me? Maybe they're doing what they're doing in secret, and you're out honking your horn telling everybody. You're not going to get blessed, but they will do it. They'll be blessed if they're doing it in secret. Amen? Amen. That's what it says. God himself is going to know and reward you openly when you do these things to honor him. What a motivation that is for you and I to live a godly life and serve him on this earth. Wow. That is a good motivation. 1 John 2.28, isn't that good motivation? What motivates us, you know? 1 John 2.28, and now little children, who are the little children? Who's that? We are. We ends, us and you ends, they ends. Whatever we said that last week or a few weeks ago. And now, little children, abide in him, remain, stay in him, that when he appears, we may be, have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Wow. Abide in him, that when he appears. Uh, that abide doesn't mean just, it means stay close to Jesus, but it means follow him, obey him, do what he tells you to do. Uh, somebody, young person in the first service, I noticed this, I saw this. They didn't do it for me to see it, I'm sure. But I saw them. They were sitting in the place, and they had to get up from the place, and they went to somebody, and I saw them in the middle of praise and worship, and I thought they knew them, and I asked the person later what was happening, and they said, well, I felt like the Lord gave me something to tell that person. This was a young person, a teenager, and gave, the Lord gave me something to tell this couple, and when uh, the person came down to tell the couple that, she approached the woman, and the woman said, well, I'm new here. It was. It was their first time ever here, and I said, so how did that go? I said, how'd she respond? And she said, well, I was concerned. I was a little afraid. I felt the Lord told me to do it, but I was concerned would she receive it, reject it, or get mad at me, or stomp out, or, or what was going to happen? And she said, you know, I, I told her what the Lord gave me to tell her. I said, so how did it go? She said, well, she received it. But I said, you know what? You did what God told you to do, whether she received it or not, and did. You, re you did what God told you to do. She said, yeah, 
before, I've not done what God told me to do, and it's a bad feeling. Is your, have you ever been spanked by God because you didn't obey? I mean, you don't get spanked. You get whooped by him when you don't obey. I've had that happen. You should have told The Lord lay on my heart to tell somebody something, to do something for somebody, and you didn't do it, and you, you knew you missed it right when you missed it. Amen? Amen. And then it, you, you, you lost the moment. Sometimes you can go and recover and say, hey, I was supposed to do this, and sometimes you lose it, though. That's why your obedience, your, your immediate obedience is very important to the Lord and to you for your sake. But I've gone home before, I've gone, I've left, and been so miserable because I knew I missed it. Now, the Lord forgives, yes, but you missed an opportunity to bless that person, and you probably missed an opportunity to for God to reciprocate the blessing back to you too. Because, see, if you don't do it, God will find somebody who's obedient who will do it. But you don't get the reward or the blessing. How are we going to be ashamed before him at his coming, according to Scripture? It's when you and I don't live our life for Jesus. I've said this, and I don't want this to be said in my life. I don't want to, I don't want to stand before the Lord and regret that I didn't do more, that I didn't seize every opportunity, that I didn't obey him. Now, have I? No, I've blown it. I've sinned. I've missed it. And I ask for forgiveness. And that's all you can do, but yet not, I say that's all you can do. That's what you're supposed to do. But you've got, we've got to determine, I'm not letting that happen anymore. I'm going to render to the Lord obedience and do his will. Amen? Amen? So it's when we don't live our life sold out to the Lord and our life is wasted on ourself, that's when we're going to be ashamed at his coming. You'll go to heaven. You'll be there. But when you stand before him, there's going to be this, oh, man, I missed it, the opportunity yesterday. Oh, I should have done, man, I should have been this to my family or, or this, my neighbors and my job. And I was a secret agent for Jesus at my job. Nobody knew I was a believer because I didn't want to be persecuted. Oh, I wish I had have done that. Because you're going to stand before the Lord, you're going to be embarrassed. Now, will you live with that for eternity? No, it wouldn't be heaven. It wouldn't be a good eternity for you. The Lord will wipe that away and forgive it. But to stand there empty-handed, to stand there and have those eyes look at you, and you know you didn't glorify him, you were ashamed of him in this life, that's not going to be a good feeling. That's not going to be a good experience. It's not going to go well. And then Matthew 5, 16, this is why Jesus says to not be ashamed of him. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before men. Let your works, let your light as a child of God, let, let the glory of the Lord shine before men. Why? So they may see your good works. Oh, good works. Does that save them? No. Does it save you? No, the good works don't. But the good works are a testimony that there is a God. Your good works and, and that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Because they wonder... How come you don't come to the party and get drunk with us? How come you're not fornicating or committing adultery like the other people in the office are doing? Some of you work in that atmosphere. Come on, that's real. How come, how come you're not swapping in the neighborhood? How come you're not cheating? How come you're not on your taxes or wherever? How come you're not doing this and that other? Your good works of not living that sinful life will bring glory to your father. They're going to say, you know, what, what is weird? You're weird. 
We're weird to the world. It says we're peculiar people. That's why we are, because we're not supposed to live in sin with them. Amen. And your good works will bring glory to your Father because they say, why aren't you doing that? How come you're not doing that? How can you not do this? How can when everybody else is cheating and get by with it, why aren't you doing it? Your family needs help. You need this. And you say, no, our dependency is upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And he saved us and he gives us the help and he brings forth the answers that we need. And you'll glorify the Father by, by them seeing your good works. So it matters how you and I live. It matters. And if we're aware that there are rewards to be received, it should influence us to live for the Lord the best we can. Again, we're not perfect, but the best we can. We, it, that shouldn't be our only motivation, but it should encourage us. Okay, that's the, that's the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. I, I forgot to tell you where that comes from. Most of you already know this, but Paul took, like Jesus did, a lot of his analogies and illustrations from real life every day. Jesus talked about farming. He talked about fishermen. He talked about a lot of different people and things, and he drew illustrations. Paul did that too, but Paul was in the arena of Rome, and the Romans occupied Jerusalem, and Paul took a lot of his illustrations from the military or the athletic world, right? You remember that? Paul said in that great in that uh, judgment seat of Christ, what that came from, he said when that athlete competed in, a, in an event, and whoever won first place, they didn't have gold, silver, bronze, medals, you know, like they do today in the Olympics, but they did have rewards for whoever won. And whoever won the reward for that event would stand before either an emperor or a governor, whoever was ruling in that region, and they would receive what was called a laurel wreath, L-A-U-R-E-L, -E laurel from the plant or the bush, and sometimes it could be made out of gold or silver, sometimes it was the natural uh, bush itself, and it was woven together, and you've seen pictures of this, and whoever won, they would stand before the emperor or the governor, and they would place the laurel wreath on their head. What was it? It was a bema seat, it was a judgment seat, but it was a reward seat. So for the child of God, that judgment seat of Christ, it's based on our rewards. What we receive is following the Lord and doing the right thing. Amen? All right, let's look at the other one. The great white throne judgment. That's where you don't want to show up. You don't want to be there. Revelation 20. Revelation 20. This is the apostle John on the Isle of Patmos when he received the revelation. Next, near the end of the book, chapter 20. Then I saw a great white throne judgment. Well, that's what theologians came to name it, great white throne judgment. And him who sat on it, well, that's Father God. And from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. It's going to be a frightening day. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And watch this, books, plural, were opened. And another book, singular, was open, which is the book of life. The book is the book of life. The books, we're going to see what those are. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things were, which were written in the books, plural. Some of you have volumes written on you. Some of you, it's taken volumes to record what you've done, thought, said, acted. Some of you, maybe not so much. You better hope what's in that book is good about you because everything we've done, thought, said, did is going to be recorded in that book. 
It says, the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. Listen to this. They were judged, each one, according to their works. There it is again, each one, according to their works. The book is the book of life containing the names of those who've received Jesus as Lord. Those folks are the ones, the judgment seat of Christ, they're in heaven. They're, they're in eternity going to be with the Lord. They'll receive rewards according to their works or either they'll lose rewards according to what they didn't do in obeying the Lord. We're talking about people that are unbelievers. Remember, believers appear before the believer's uh, judgment. Unbelievers be appear before the unbeliever's judgment. The books contain the works of people and judgments measured out according to what each person did while on planet earth. Now, based on this, I want to ask you some, a question or two, and I want to present a couple of scenarios, and uh, we'll just take some survey here today. Based on what Jesus is saying, and we'll say in a minute, do you think there are degrees of punishment in hell? What do y'all say? What do y'all say? What do y'all say? What do y'all say? Y'all were weak. What do y'all say? Y'all were first. Okay. You're all right. But let's present a scenario. Will a believer, a child of God, a Christian, who does not serve God, tithe, give, witness, love people, do works of ministry, I'm not talking about their faith and their salvation, but after they're saved, they don't do anything. They're just a consumer. They're just, it's all about them. They, they live a life just for them. While I'm saved, I'm born again. It's, it's us for no more. You know, I'm not, I'm not into helping anybody else. And they don't do anything to help build the kingdom of God. They're Christian, but they don't, just don't do anything. Are they going to receive the same reward as the believer who does do all those things? I agree. Because God wouldn't be a righteous God because he gives to everyone what? According to their works. We just read that. Now, let me, let me present another scenario to you. Would, suppose there's an unbelieving man, unbeliever, he's a good man, he's a husband, good husband, good daddy, good provider, pays his bills, doesn't run around, doesn't cheat, doesn't drink, doesn't do anything wrong, he's just, he's a good man. There are a few of those left, by the way. But, he defiantly says, no, I will not receive Jesus as Lord or serve him, I'm not going to do that. Will, they, will he receive the same punishment in hell as a child molester, a murderer, a thief, somebody who does horrible things and tortures people? Will, will he receive the same judgment as a person in, in hell as, that's a really bad person and does really horrible things? Will he receive the same judgment? I forgot about y'all. I'm sorry. What y'all What's your vote? Hello? Down. Oh, boy. He's going down. No. He won't receive the same punishment. Okay. Let, they say, well, you know, I thought hell was hell and... and, and and everybody's going to be, you know, in the same place. And yeah, well, you'll be in the same place, but there's levels and degrees of punishment based on what you did, your works, your deeds. Now, does a, does a Christian get off free? Oh, yeah, they do if they're a Christian. Okay, they get, it, they get off free because they are trusting in what Jesus did for them. Okay? They're not going to hell, and they're not going to suffer like that. Okay? Maybe I misled you a little bit, but... Because I, I know you believe that Christians aren't going to face punishment. Okay. A lot of people say, well, that's not fair. You heard people say that? This isn't fair. I want to tell you it is fair because every human being has the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. Everybody. Somehow God 
And if you read Romans, God appears through nature and God appears through the inner conscience in every person. How many of you remember when you were a little kid, you thought about God? Almost every hand in this room. If you think back, you'd probably remember. Some of you going, I can't think that far back. I mean, honestly, I remember when like I'm five and above, I don't remember anything before that. I remember trying to be Superman, taking mom's biggest bath towel and jumping off the patio, the front porch. And I was going to fly. And I was heartbroken it didn't work. I'm going, what's wrong with this towel? Is it from Kmart or Walmart? People say, well, that's not fair. Yes, it is. God reveals himself to everybody in some way that they can understand, that, that he, he can come to you where you are. You may not understand theology. Thank God you don't have to. But there are degrees of torment and judgment for those that don't accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. Here's Jesus. Here are Jesus' own words. Matthew 11. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done. Did you get that? Most of his mighty works had been done. I mean, they were all super-duper supernatural, but his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. And he said to them, Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sidon retire inside in the day of judgment than for you. What does that mean, more tolerable? When you look it up, it means the punishment will be more lenient. There'll be less suffering. That means there's a degree. There's a measurement. If punishment's all the same, how can it be more tolerable for some and not for others? Okay? So there is degrees. Then Jesus went on to say, And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, you'll be brought down to Hades. I mean, can you comprehend Jesus saying this to... You're going to be brought down to hell, folks. For the mighty works which were done in you... For if the mighty works that were done in you had been done in Sodom... Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Bad town. If the mighty works which had been done in you had been done in Sodom, Sodom would have remained until this day. Wow. Those three cities of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, they had the mighty works of Jesus done in them, yet they refused to believe who he was. They refused to repent. They denied it. They said, no. It would have been easy for them to have repented and been born again because when Jesus is there working the miracles, there is a glory cloud. The heavens are opened. Amen? It would have been easy for them to have been saved, but yet they refused. And Jesus said, because of your refusal, your punishment is going to be more strict. Jesus said, listen, I'll open the heavens for you. I'll let you see things from the supernatural world. I'll let you see people healed in the mighty works. And you refuse to believe it. You refuse to believe in me. And then in Romans 2, 5, but in accordance with the hardness and your impenitent, that means your heart that will not uh, repent, because of your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Jesus did not care about being politically, religiously, or socially correct because he was telling the truth because he didn't want people to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. God doesn't want you to go to hell. And if you, 
if you don't repent and if you don't live for Jesus with all your heart, you're storing up, treasuring up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath. That's what God says. It should. It really should. It's very serious. Are there some believers that are going to receive a stricter judgment? Question. What do you all say? Are there some believers, Christians, that are going to receive a, a stricter judgment? What do you say? Yep, there are. James, chapter 3, 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Why? It's not based on your salvation, but it's based on what you teach people. And I don't believe it's just religious teachers, preachers, pastors, teachers, evangelists, Christian school teachers. I don't believe it's just that category. I believe it's any person who's instructing others in life, period. If you've got a school teacher, if you've got a professor, if you've got somebody that's teaching people untruth, lies, there will be a strict judgment for them. Not just the religious. It was written in that context for religion, and we just put it on to the religious sector. But I believe it's anybody that uh, is teaching people, instructing them in their life. If you're teaching them things that aren't the truth, you're going to receive a judgment. There's a testimony from a, a, a man now who's very popular in the ministry. But when he was younger, when he was a kid, teenager, early teenager, young teenager, his family were believers, Christians, solid, good Christian people. But he was a little, he was very, not a little, he was very wayward. But this is his testimony. And he said that uh, before, uh, in his Christ Day, B.C. days, he went to a place where other young people hung out. And, it, it, you know, it wasn't necessarily a bad place, but it's where other people hung out. So his father, knowing that he wasn't, you know, really living right, he didn't have a license yet. So his father took him to this place, dropped him off. But the father parked the car, slipped into the building, and sat in the corner, in the dark corner, and watched his son through the night. I think more parents ought to do that to their children. And as he sat there through the night, he saw his son smoking. And when the dad picked his son up, he said, son, did you smoke cigarettes tonight? The son said, oh, no, no, <laughs> dad, that wasn't me. He said, but I was with people that were smoking, so that's probably why I smell like a smoke. And the father said, well, I saw you smoke a cigarette. And the son said, well, oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, I, I did. I did do that. And the father said, well, I, I really, I actually saw you smoke two cigarettes. And the son said, well, you know, suddenly my memory's coming back. to Yes, I do remember that too, Dad, two, two cigarettes. He said, but you know, Dad, you've always told me to stand up. And when people, you know, challenge you and everything, you know, be your own person. So, you know, they dared me. So and he said, yeah, yeah, but I forgot that. It was two cigarettes. And the father responded, son, I saw you smoke seven cigarettes tonight. <laughs> and it ended up the father punished him for every cigarette he smoked. And he also punished him for lying to him. And the young man said, after all of that happened, he said, if I'd only known my father was watching me. I want to tell you today, there's a loving, kind merciful, forgiving, patient, generous, heavenly Father watching us. Not wanting to judge us. Not wanting to even punish us. That's why He sent His Son to take our punishment so that we could be free and become His children. And not just call yourself a Christian, 
but live the Christian life and walk with him and bring fruit to him and glorify the Lord through your life. That's what the Father's looking for. Father's not, God the Father's not looking for religion out of you. He's looking for relationship with you. He's not interested in religion. He wants a relationship. And so he is watching our deeds. And the word said he is recording everything. I don't know what method he uses. I don't know if they're high-tech angels. I don't know what they are. I think he's way beyond DVDs and definitely beyond VCR and cassette tapes and all that. I don't know what God uses, but I'll tell you what, it is high-tech. We think we're something in this. What God's got is high-tech because every word, the Bible says every idle word and deed, that, that, that can kind of make you nervous even as a Christian. Thank God we can pray and forget, or pray and repent, and God forgets. And forget he chooses to not use it against us. That's what forgiveness means. But he is going to reward or either he's going to punish. It's true. That's his character. He's a just God. He's merciful. He'll reward. But he's just and he must punish sin or it would violate his very character and nature as a just God, the judge of all the earth. Job said the judge of all the earth, he'll do right. If you're not a believer in Christ today and on that day, there's going to be books opened. And if you're listening or if you're here in this room today, and you're not a believer in Jesus, you're not really following the Lord like you know you should, there will be books opened on that day, and every deed, every word, everything you've done is going to be opened, and you will give an account for it. As a child of God, the judgment seat of Christ will be, our works will be looked at and proven. Was it gold, silver, precious stones, or was it wood, hay, stubble? It behooves every one of us in this room and listening today. Here's the great news. You get to choose which judgment you will show up at. You get to choose. Don't ever say or think, well, God's assigned this person there. Or God. No, you choose. God doesn't send us anywhere. We choose eternity where and how, where we're going to spend it and how we're going to spend it. You choose it. You make that choice personally. Your mama's not going to be there with you. Your daddy's not going to be there with you. I'm not going to be there with you. Your friends aren't going to be there with you. Every single one of us will be standing before the Father to give an account for our life as an individual. What did you do with the opportunities that he gave you and with the, with the life that he gave you to live for him? One last scripture, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, that means we are his project, we are his building, we are his church. Uh, we, we are, you know, you ever, tell, you ever say about somebody, man, they're, they're a work in progress. We all are. We all are. Just think, I, I just, you know, I wonder if God doesn't scratch his head and go, oh, God, they are a work in progress. I know, I know him and Sylvia and God discuss it. What are we going to do with him? Keep loving me. Keep correcting me. Don't give up on me. I'm a work in progress. Every one of us are. Every one of us are. So we are God's workmanship. Cre Listen to this. This is wonderful. Created in Jesus for good works. That's why God created you. For good works. To get saved, to get born again, and then do the things that he's called you to do and use your life for, the energy, the time, the talents that he's given you to do those good things. To do what? Which God has prepared beforehand why? So that we might walk in them. You see, when you run from God, when you disobey, when you rebel, you're not walking with him. You're running from him. 
You cannot be who he's created you to be when you're detached from the Father, from Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness. Stand with me today, please. Thank you for being here. I want our prayer ministry teams, if they would come, please. Remember the announcements, Brother Jedi, Jedediah at the table, uh, Fall Fest card, info card, please fill that out. I mean, not Fall Fest, but uh, DCA, Fall Fest cards to take them, pass them out. Bible study here, Wednesday, 715. Pastor Rush will be ministering on uh, the Day of Atonement. Last week we ministered on the Yom Torah again tonight, 7 p.m. with Zion's sake, right here in the sanctuary, the Feast of Trumpets. Come celebrate with them, discover and understand what that means. Rabbi Eric does a tremendous, powerful, wonderful job explaining that, how our part as a Christian, a believer in Christ, should, should participate in that, what it means for us. But right now, before we walk out of this room, God does not want to judge anybody. God does not want anybody to go to hell. I've already told you. His word said it's not as well at any parish, but all come to repentance. But I want to give you a challenge today. If you're not walking with Jesus like you know you should be, you don't have to leave here today in doubt. You don't have to leave here today wondering, are you okay? You need. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to get forgiveness, to ask for forgiveness, and then ask for his strength and power to help you live for him so that when you stand before him, you will not be ashamed. But you can say, Father, I won this person to you. Lord, I influence these people for your kingdom. Lord, I help pay for that, that Bible school. Lord, I help do that. It's not, that's not how you get into heaven. But you're going to be able to say, Lord, I did these things in your name to help. And you will get a reward. And if you don't do it, anything, you're going to lose the rewards that you could have had. Determine today where you're going to spend eternity. Choose today how you're going to spend that eternity. Pastor Larry's going to lead us. And I encourage you, if that's you, if the Holy Spirit's talking to you, come to this altar. You don't have to confess your sins to these people. You need to tell the Lord, not these people. They're simply here to agree with you, pray over you, help you, and bless you. In Jesus' name, Pastor Larry. I surrender.